Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this word this morning. We thank you, Lord. Let it be a powerful message, Father, to impact lives. I thank you for every heart and mind in this auditorium. And I thank you, Lord, that you would uh, be a light to people's life and you would guide them as you reveal your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when we look at this, uh, this message called Awaken, I want to start with uh, a part of Scripture this morning. I want to look at 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. And one thing that I wanted to start with this morning, before we go into the Scripture, is explain why are we bringing this one-off message? What's the strategy behind it? What's the reason behind it? And why is it relevant for you right now? Um, For those of you who aren't aware, we've done quite a lot of teaching uh, on themes around what we call bridging the gap and helping people to understand that the God that we worship, Jesus, is uh, all about helping us to transition from the past, deal with the present, and move us into the future. We've been doing lots of teaching around that, and I felt on my heart that as we go into the last uh, four, five, six weeks of the year, uh, that there's, there's this specific message, because if you have a look, if everyone can look up here with my hands, uh, obviously a lot of the teaching we've been doing is kind of going horizontally, right? From the past and dealing with the anxieties and worries and fears of the present, the setbacks of the past, transitioning uh, into the future and moving forward with the things of God. And we know that God's very much into these types of transitions. Can everyone take your right hand and do this for me, moving from left to right, okay? From the past over into the future, right? God is very much into transitioning people. He's into helping people to move. He's, he's in fact, is a moving God. What's critical, though, about this transition and what's critical about helping people to move forward is that there's also another transition that we have to understand, but it's in a different direction. And that different direction is what we call a vertical direction. So obviously, as we're on earth, it's about us understanding that when we're within time, uh, when we're born to before we die, there are always times when we're partnering with God where He's wanting to transition us. But also there's a transition that helps us with that transition. Uh, There's a vertical transition that always, or a transaction is probably a better word, that helps us with the vertical transition. And that is for us to continue to shift out of the past, out of the bondage and the the disappointment and the frustrations or the setbacks of the past, working through the problems of the present and moving into our future. We also have to be clear and awaken to the vertical transition that God wants to bring heaven to earth. God wants to bring heaven to earth into your life. He wants you to awaken to the voice of God. He wants you to become awakened to the spirit of God. He wants you to become awakened to the reality of God. He wants you to become awakened to the word of God. He wants you to be able to discern the voice of God because that key vertical transition or that key vertical transaction, if you're able to allow heaven to open on your life and to hear the the voice of God, it will help you to transition from here over into the things that God has you for your future. It's a massive key. We can't do the horizontal transition without the vertical transaction. Who believes that? Come on now, let me say that again. We can't actually do, we can't successfully make the vertical transition in our life. We can't move forward with God when we actually don't understand the transaction from heaven to earth. God is always wanting to bring an element of heaven into our life to impact us. Who knows that God lives inside of us, the Bible teaches And so we want to learn from Samuel here, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. And this is a part of Scripture where the Lord, God himself, calls Samuel. 
And this is a transition where Samuel is becoming a man of God, a prophet of God. He's in this transition period himself. And God is teaching Samuel that it's important for Samuel to learn how to hear the voice of God, how to become awakened to the reality and the communication and the direction and the guidance of God. So let's read this. Chapter 3, verse 1. Here we go. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could, he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord. Everyone say, the house of the Lord. So he was in the house of the Lord, lying down. He was sleeping in, in, in the house of God, right? Where the ark of God was. So the presence of God was represented by the ark of God. So he was in the house of God, and he was laying next to the ark of God. Right? So he was in the house of God and he was in the presence of God, right? Lying down. So in these little ingredients, you probably think, well, he's in a perfect position to hear the voice of God. I mean, he's in the house of God and he's lying next to the ark of God. Like, is that going to mean it's going to still be a little bit challenging or difficult for him to hear the voice of God? Like, come on. So let's have a look at this. And then the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Everyone say, Confused. So in that moment, the Lord called Samuel, but Samuel did not realize it was God. Samuel did not clearly recognize the voice of the Lord. He thought it was Eli. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. In this moment, Samuel's probably thinking, did I eat too much pizza? What's going on? What am I hearing? Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Verse 7, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Interesting. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Watch this. This is Samuel, who's in the house of God. He's next to the presence of God. And yet the Bible says in that distinct moment in Scripture, he did not know God. He did not yet know the Lord. Another revelation of that is he didn't yet know how to discern the shepherd's voice, the voice of God yet. So he was in the house of God. He was right next to the very presence of God. And yet he did not know God. Interesting. Because for me, when I read that, that's kind of surprising. It's like, really? He didn't know God. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Verse 8, a third time the Lord called Samuel. And God got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. Everyone say, aha. Aha. Eli is finally getting it. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord. For your servant is listening. So Eli realizes that Samuel is being spoken to by God himself, but is not realizing it's actually God. And Eli sees this as a training opportunity, as an opportunity for Samuel to break through and become awakened to the voice of God, to be able to hear God. The Lord came and stood there calling as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said... Speak, 
for your servant is listening. Verse 11, And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. And, and, and so he finally recognized that who was speaking to him was God. He became awakened. And when he became awakened, then God was able to give him a clear instruction of what was about to happen and that he was involved in that plan. Come on now. So as soon as Samuel started to discern, started to realize, who is this that's speaking to me? was able to put a sense of identity behind the instruction. Then the instruction unfolded to give clarity around not only what was going to happen, but how he was purposed to be a part of that instruction. And so I think the key is, is that when we want to transition from our past and we want to transition from our present and breakthrough and go into the new things, the things that God has, God wants to speak to us. God wants us to awaken to the reality that heaven above us is open and God wants to send a message. He wants to send an instruction. He wants to send some guidance. He wants to send some revelation. He wants to send some insight from heaven to earth, into your heart, into your spiritual ear, into your spiritual mind. He, God wants to speak to you. And God wants to speak to you because he knows it's a key that not only do you hear the voice of God, but you understand that it is God speaking and you know and you can discern when it's God speaking. And so when he not only gets your attention, but he's able to give you key instruction, then you can start to walk out and you are given a key uh, revelation or an insight on how to make the transitions that God's calling you to make. Now, the key verse here in this part of Scripture that we're starting with that I'd like to repeat, and then we'll look at some teaching, is verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And so let's start to break this up. Let's start to chew on this and get an understanding of how we can learn from this part of Scripture today to awaken to the reality that God's voice is able to be heard by us. We can hear God. And so let, let's awaken to this. So an essential to our faith is that we're not, we're not just worshipping a God who's just in heaven. We're not just worshipping a God. We're not worshipping a God that's alone, that wants to be by himself, that's kind of you know, angry and you know, a tough, tough cookie who's just up in heaven and kind of just looks down on us and says, worship me. Right? That's not the God we're worshipping. Right? The God we're worshiping is a loving, amazing uh, God who wants to incorporate a two-way street. He wants you to know that He wants to pour out direction and pour out uh, His voice upon you. He wants to speak with you. He wants a deep intimacy with you. He wants to connect with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to converse with you. He wants to relate with you. He wants it to be a two-way street where you talk to Him. He talks to you. The loving God that we're talking about says that heaven is open and I'm pouring myself upon the earth. And God says, I want you to awaken in a new way today that I am so wanting to speak to you. I'm so wanting to talk to you. I'm so wanting to share my heart with you. I'm so wanting to share my plans and purposes with you. I want you to awaken that I'm a God who pours out upon your life, who wants you to literally be awakened by the power of God, by my reality. God says, my heart is towards you. My heart is for you. God says, awaken, awaken, awaken to who I am and how I want to relate to you. That God is a loving God. He's a strong God. He's a knowable God. But He wants you to know Him. And He wants to know you. God wants to know you. 
Now, he knows all things about you, but he wants to know you. He wants to connect with you, and he wants you to know him. How do you know God when you can hear his voice, when you can speak with him, when you develop a relationship with him? It's key. How do we develop a relationship with Jesus? We have to become awakened to how to hear his voice. And the same is true with Samuel. See, I think sometimes we think if we don't have the title pastor, if we don't have the title minister, if we're not this eloquent, full-on spiritual rah-rah person, then, oh, we don't hear the voice of God very well. We come into this doubt. But can I tell you that God wants you to know it doesn't matter who you are, where you are. He wants to speak to you. And God says that there's nothing that would restrict you because the blood of Jesus has enabled you to come into the presence of God, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. And God says, awaken to the reality that God wants to speak to you. And so what we're going to learn today is that there are different ways that we can learn how to actually hear the voice of God. The Bible goes through actually many examples of people who had to learn. I think this is key. People didn't, you know, just have this massive encounter with God and then it was all easy and they could just hear God. In fact, I've never audibly heard God. I haven't heard him speaking to me going, Brad, it's God. Now, if you have, awesome, good on you. That's fantastic, right? But can I tell you, most times I've met Christians, pastors, leaders, uh, everyday Christians have been Christians for 40 years. Most people I've met have never audibly heard the voice of God. But can I tell you, that's okay because God speaks to us in different ways. And we're going to learn that. But the Bible goes through many examples of how the people, men and women in the Bible, have struggled to hear the voice of God. They've had to learn. They've had to grow in that. And so if you're in that position, I just want you to take the pressure off yourself. Take the pressure off yourself and know that God actually wants to show you and teach you. So Samuel was living in the temple. He's in the house of God. But he did not yet know the word of the Lord. He was next to the presence of God. It wasn't revealed to him. And so sometimes you may be someone who's, who's in the house of God. You're in worship in the presence of God. You've got worship music on at home. You're, you're listening to a podcast at home. And yet for yourself, you've struggled to learn how to hear the voice of God, to how to connect with God himself intimately. We want to talk about that today because God doesn't want you to struggle. But what's interesting is part of the struggle is about qualifying your hunger. Come on now. See, God's interesting and he's interested in qualifying. He loves to qualify. What does that mean? He likes to see where are you at. And part of the struggle of not really, you know, let's think about it this way. If it was really easy to hear God straight away, then it wouldn't really highlight how much of a hunger we have to hear God because then it wouldn't, it wouldn't mean that we'd have to struggle to hear God. We wouldn't really have to knock, knock, knock. The Bible clearly says that when you knock, and you seek the Lord, you will be rewarded. But there's an inner seeking. It's, it's, it's hard. It's sometimes difficult. It's sometimes challenging. It requires desire and hunger to seek the Lord, to want to hear the voice of, the God, the voice of the Lord, voice of God. And so the same was true with Samuel. So even if you've gone to church lots of times and you're in worship and you come along, it's okay if you're still not quite sure how to hear God. But today we want to unlock some of those things. And so, how do we become awakened to the voice of God, to the breath of God? 
Can I tell you that when the voice of God speaks to you, when you can hear God, life on the inside starts to go to a new level. Things like anxiety start to minimize. Now, anxiety won't leave you completely because life is hard sometimes. But it's about managing anxiety. It's about managing stress. It's about replacing fear with peace. It's all about this transaction. Why is heaven have to come to earth? Because earth sometimes sucks. Come on. Does anyone realize that earth sometimes sucks? Now, I'm a positive person, so I don't go around, oh, life sucks. I like life, right? But the world sometimes is a crazy place. And so this is why we need... So let's have a look. Let's have a look at these keys. Number one, how we hear the voice of God. The first key is the obvious one, but we need to start there, and that's through the Word of God, through His Word. And, you know, this book, the Word of God, has been gifted to us. It's an inspired breath of God, and it helps God to become alive to us. But I want to talk about a couple of things here. I want us to know that the Word of God is like a double-edged sword. So it cuts things away. It builds us up. It also penetrates into the dividing parts of our soul where you are confused, where you are double-minded. The Word of God has the power to divide those things and to make it clear what you should say yes to and what you should say no to. It helps to alleviate confusion. It helps to eradicate a double-mindedness. The Word of God is powerful. It also helps to judge the attitudes And the thoughts of the heart, the fundamental way to hear the voice of God is reading and meditating on the Word of God. Let's just start with the foundation. Let's start with the reality check that the Word of God is the fundamental way that you hear God's voice. Now, can I say this to you? That there are times when you will read the Word of God. You'll read the Bible. And... uh, you may feel like you don't really get that much out of it. For example, can I say this to you? You, Let's say if you've got a glass and it's dirty, right? And so you kind of put water in it to clean it, but then you kind of put it on a rack to dry it. And then the next day you come and uh, there's no water in the glass. It's all fallen out, right? Sometimes when you read the Word of God, you think, well, I didn't really get anything there. Any revelation or things that I should have got, it kind of just fell out. But can I tell you, the glass is cleaner, which means that even there are times when you don't get an amazing revelation in spending time in the Word, the Word of God will still clean you. It will filter you. It will clean your thoughts. It will help to divide. It will cut off a bit of that confusion. It will bring clarity. You won't necessarily get a miraculous, rock-solid revelation every time you interact with the Word of God. But can I tell you, the Word of God is healthy for you. You need to read the Word of God. Sometimes it's just about it'll clean you. It'll filter you. It'll make you feel a little bit more fresh. It will just help to strengthen you a little bit. But can I tell you, sometimes you can have amazing revelation. You can get great revelation and insight and direction where Holy Spirit anoints the Word, the part of the Word that is, uh, you're reading, and it speaks to you, and you get this revelation, understanding that there's a key here that God's giving you. Can I share this with you? I mean, I had a moment in my life when I was just so frustrated with my depressive thoughts. This is about second year that I was a Christian. And I, it was like a dark cloud had come upon me. And it was just, and I just kept thinking about my depressive thoughts. And I kept trying to think my way out of it. I kept thinking, I keep thinking this. I shouldn't be thinking this. Stop thinking that. Why am I thinking that? What's that got to do with my past? Why, why, why do I keep thinking about that? I, was, I, I, know, I know I shouldn't be thinking that, but I actually keep thinking it. And it was like this uh, non-victorious battle in my mind. And so 
I opened the Word of God that morning. And can I tell you, I mean, there were times even up until that point where I'd opened the Word of God and I just felt like it was ticking the box. And there were other times that I opened the Word of God and I got something out of it. But this was a moment in my life. This was like a key segue that was about to take place. And that is, God, I really need to hear you speak to me because I feel like I'm going kind of insane. And I said, God, speak to me through the Word. I'm going to read the Word of God. And so what I did was... I just felt to uh, study the New Testament and, and look at the, the, the Gospels. But then I felt to really kind of get into Corinthians. I'd been at church. They'd done some teaching on Corinthians and how Corinthians really helps to give you some, some insight in how to deal with things in your life. And so I started reading Corinthians. I'd never really read Corinthians. So it was 1 Corinthians that I was reading. And in this particular morning, there is a, a, actually it was 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians this morning I was reading, and I remember so surely because it's one of my favorite scriptures, it just spoke to me. And it was 2 Corinthians 10, 4, 5. And it was this, for the weapons of our warfare, most of you have probably heard me say this is one of my favorite scriptures. For the weapons of our, our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And what was interesting is when I read this, it so spoke to me because God said, do you not see it? Do you not see that you've been trying to find weapons with your own mind? You've been trying to think yourself out of your own depression. But God said to me, stop doing that, Brad, and start fighting your depression with my word. Start to get this particular scripture and to speak to your thoughts and tell them to bow down so that you can break through. Can I tell you, I got excited because I finally felt like God spoke to me in a particular situation. And it's like God cares because he's giving me an insight to help me. He's given me a key to unlock me from this prison. And can I tell you that when I responded, I put that into place. It was like pff, something just shifted in my mind. And that is, I first, for the first time, I felt like I had the ability to actually have dominion or control over my own thoughts through the power of God, through the Word of God. That's just one example where sometimes you can get amazing revelation. But this morning, God says, awaken in a new way to the, the power that can come through having a relationship with the Word of God. Joshua 1, 8, chapter 1, verse 8, 9 you know, Joshua that we talked about. We talked about Joshua being the key guy that helps, was a, a key example of the Bible that transitioned the people of God from the past, from the, the wilderness into the promised land. This guy knew some things. One of the keys that helped him to make the transition is he had that vertical understanding, heaven to earth. One of the key scriptures in Joshua 1.8.9, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, and that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall have, you will make the way, your, your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid that you may be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so what's the point here? The point is this. Hey, you may be here today in the privacy of your own heart and you're bored. You're bored with the Word of God. First of all, that happens. 
That happens. Point here is this. Don't let it continue to happen. That's the key. Recognize it and now make the shift. Everyone say make the shift. Because God wants to awaken you again to the reality that God speaks through the word of God. My whole life paradigm, my whole way of thinking changed because I allowed God to speak to me through the word of God. Allow God to speak to you through the word of God. Number two, God, the voice of God becomes awakened to us when we know that he speaks to us through a small, still voice. A small, still voice. You know, even though Samuel uh, didn't first know how to hear the voice of God, interesting, and just I'm going to get Jason just to hold my mic here because my shoelace has become undone and I feel like I'm going to get still a bit expressive and I don't want to trip. Hang on one second. So I can still preach down here. Awesome. Okay. So while I'm doing my shoelace up, you know, when Samuel was first spoken to by God and he didn't understand, thanks, Jace, that he that it wasn't God. Notice that when God kept speaking to him, God didn't change the inflection. God didn't start to speak with the waterfall soundtrack on the background, thinking, mm, Samuel's not quite hearing me, so I need to probably amp this up a little bit. I might need to kind of bring some worship music in the background, and I might need to kind of, you know, just heighten the sense of technicality. I might need to bring some lights out here and just shine it where Samuel is, uh, is uh, sleeping. And then when I speak, I might have to, you know, just, Samuel, do something different. Now, God did not change the way he was speaking to Samuel because God, the God we worship is, is constant. And it was just a still, small voice. And he, he does that. Because what he's doing is he's waiting for you to learn how to discern the still, small voice. And so it became a challenge. It became a challenge to Samuel to learn the voice of God. Uh, it was a challenge. And so you've got to be up for the challenge. Can I tell you, you've got to be up for the challenge. In Elijah, an example of Elijah, 1 Kings 19, 11 to 15. We're not going to read that whole part, but I'll just read this particular part here. It says, And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake came, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. So this is another prophet, another man of God. And all these things are happening. There's the wind, there's the earthquake, then came the fire, verse 12. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so that when Elijah heard it, the still, small voice, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? So God started to speak to him, but watch this. This is a powerful man of God. Another example in the Old Testament. And he is in a, in a season where he has to hear from God and where God wants to give him instruction about the thing that this man of God has to do to start to bring breakthrough to the people in the land. And so as he positions himself to hear the voice of God, there's all these things. There's an earthquake. I mean, there's a fire. I mean, there's a wind. But the Bible says that God wasn't speaking in those things. And then after those things, the still small voice. Can I say to you that some of the most important times you have to hear the voice of God 
that there's all these things going on around you, full-on distractions around you. And we have to learn that sometimes he will speak to you in some of the smallest, stillest, most just humblest way. He'll speak to you on the inside. And after this still small voice, we need to learn to recognize that God's speaking at times to us in this whisper. He's whispering into your mind. He's whispering into your soul. And when we actually learn that sometimes it's still small voices, God speaking to us, it helps to build a sense of faith because it's God speaking to us intimately. I mean, there's been many times when God has spoken to me in a still small voice. I've shared many times here at church where my father passed away last year in August from an aneurysm without any warning. And yet four or five months before that, I was at a barbecue celebrating my brother's birthday And in that still, small voice, God said to me, your father's not going to be around for too much longer. You need to go out and reach to him, reach out to him, and let him know how how proud you are of him. And can I tell you, I'm so thankful that I could discern that that was the voice of God. And it takes time to learn that God will speak to you in a still, small voice. Isaiah 30, verse 21 says, Your own ears will hear him lead you and say this is the way you will go. And so it says that your own ears will learn to, lead, to, to, to learn who he is, will speak to you. Everyone say, still small voice. Just promptings. Now, the important thing about a still small voice is you need to make sure it's aligned to the word of God. Amen. So if you hear a still small voice saying, You need to kill this person. Uh, That's not God. Okay, because it's in direct opposition to the Ten Commandments. Amen. Okay, all right. Uh, Let me me do another controversial one, all right? Uh, You're really annoyed with this person, so what you should do is go and tell someone else and whinge to them about how annoyed you are, but don't go and talk to the other person to give them an opportunity for you to share each other's hearts and for forgiveness to flow. Just go and win to another person so you can kind of get you know, them to go, oh, poor you. But don't go and follow the Bible's instruction to actually go and take that offense to the person you're offended with. Don't do that. Now, that would not be God. Right? Because that's in direct opposition to the word of God. Oh, but it's just, I just feel... The voice of God. Still small voice. Number three, visions and dreams. This is exciting. Visions and dreams. Next year, we have Dominion Conference, our annual conference, at a new month. Not in August this year, but next year it's going to be in July. And we've got Tom and Jane Hammond from Christian International coming as guest speakers. We've also got the head of young adults for Christian International, David Fang, and uh, he is a Chinese-American amazing preacher. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So he's coming as well. But Jane Hammond has written quite a few books on dreams and visions and how to hear the voice of God through dreams and visions. It's, a, it's an exciting thing about God. But he does speak to us in vision and dreams. And when you think about it, uh, a lot of times when we, when we see things, uh, we actually see things from the past. We see in memories we go back and we replay 
things in our mind. Sometimes they could be good memories and that can be a positive benefit, but sometimes a lot of the things that we replay in our mind, don't we? They're things that create fear or frustration or doubt. And so God specifically will give us dreams and visions about the future because he wants to come against sometimes the, the, the fear and the doubt that can come from our memories where we were defeated and we were despondent about the past. Come on now. To break out of that past, he will open heaven and bring it to earth and give us visions and give us dreams about the future to help us to make that shift so we don't get stuck over here. And so we want to awaken to the fact that God will speak to us in dreams and visions. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. Now what's interesting, the famous verse of Habakkuk chapter 2 is verse 2. And verse 2 is what you do with the dreams and visions. Verse 2 says, write it down and run with it. Write down the vision, then run with it. But verse 1 says, well, what happens to get that vision, to get that dream before you can run with it? Verse 1 says, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says. God speaks in pictures to see what the Lord says. To see what the Lord says. That's why sometimes God will cause us to awaken and fast and pray, become spiritually awakened and fast and pray and get in and push our flesh aside so that we can open up to Him giving us vision, giving us a, a picture of what's about to happen, of the future. Maybe it's a picture of the future of your life to do with your family, your children. Maybe it's a picture of the future to do with your business, your career. Maybe it's a picture of the future to do with your ministry or your missions work. Maybe it's, it's a picture of the future to do with a particular uh, project that you have or some type of dream to, to travel and see different parts of the world. It doesn't always have to be a spiritual assignment that God speaks to us. God loves the fact that you have a dream and a vision for your family. The dream of vision for your marriage, dream and a vision for the future of what you're going to do with your family. It doesn't always have to be about the specific project around the kingdom of God. Come on, God doesn't just talk to us about what He wants us to do. God wants to also get you to illuminate and awaken to the fullness of life and for you to have a vision and be excited about what's yet to come in your life. Because God's a father. He's not just a general of the army trying to activate all of his soldiers. He's a loving father. He wants his children to have a full dimensional insight for their future, to, to be excited, to be expectant about a full life, a life of abundance. And he will speak to you in visions and dreams. God speaks to every one of his kids. So I become awakened. I had a dream, it was a dream that was a warning. A couple of weeks ago, I know it was God because I never remember my dreams unless they're God. Sarah dreams all the time. By the way, if you're wondering where Sarah is, she's in creche today having a good time with the young kids. So she says hello. And uh, so with uh, this dream, it was uh, Sarah and myself and Zara and Savannah. And uh, it was like our house was here and then our whole kind of our property was surrounded uh, by a fence. And the fence was one of those kind of metal grid ones that you can see through, just like wires like this. And out on the other side of the fence, it kind of like this, it was kind of like a, like a parkland, but it was undeveloped. 
the rocky cliff areas, and, but there was a lion. And it wasn't a nice lion. And the lion was kind of scaling the fence. <sighs> Sounded more like a snake then, didn't it? But anyway, <laughs> need to get Henry up here. <laughs> right? You get the picture, all right? It was scaling the fence, all right? And then it kind of tried to get up on the fence and its claws like this. And it was, it was, it was menacing. It wanted to come in and it wanted to literally rip the family apart. It wanted to get into the, into the house. And I first of all, I remember the dream. I said, God, where am I? And God said, you're not just in your house. You're, you, this, where, where this land is, your territory, it also is around your spiritual house, the forever house. And God said, understand that that lion is the enemy trying to come in, trying to come in, trying to come in. God says, I want you to go up to that fence and I want you to punch the lion in the face and tell him to back off. And so it was cool because when I went up, I mean, I didn't want to punch. The lion was flipping scary. And as I went to punch the lion, right, its mouth opened. And I heard God say, don't hold back the punch. (laughs) Right? And at this moment, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, I know I'm dreaming, but this is important because I'm really aware of this dream. And I need to punch into this lion's mouth, but I'm expecting to wake up kind of, you know, as soon as I do it, because I'll wake up because I'm thinking my arm's going to be kind of eaten off in the dream, right? You know, that moment, that dream where you think, I'm going to, I'm going to wake up, so let's just get on with it because I'll wake up past this point. So, so, so I'm like, <laughs> can I tell you, it was crazy because my arm went through the head of the lion I lifted it up. I literally ripped the, the, the lion's head off and I just flung it like this and I flung it like that. <laughs> and I didn't wake up. I'm still dreaming. And then, I know this is pretty gruesome, right? But then the rest of the lion's carcass just... Didn't come over this side. Just went... Like that. And then this eagle comes. Massive eagle. <sighs> And grabs with its talons the lion's body like this and then takes it off and then another eagle comes and it grabs the lion's head takes it off and God said to me now you rise up in more authority in this season man of God You don't know have to be asleep. Sometimes you'll just get a vision. Awaken. You know, sometimes if you know you want to hear from God and you're feeling a bit clouded, before you go to sleep, God, say, God, speak to me tonight when I'm sleeping. Send an, angel, an angelic dream from heaven. Let heaven be open upon me as I'm sleeping. Speak to me, God. God, I invite you into my sleep time. I know for me, I think God speaks to me in dreams because sometimes life feels so busy and stressed that in that moment, he knows I'm just so not distracted and that's when he can really get my attention. Maybe that's true for you. Number four, Holy Spirit intuition. What are we talking about? It's kind of having that supernatural insight. 
In Acts chapter 4, verse 9, Apostle Paul is preaching. And as he's preaching, he can see someone watching him preach. And as he's preaching, he gets this Holy Spirit insight to this particular man. And the insight was that this man right now in this moment has faith to be healed. In Acts chapter 14, verse 9, he listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed. And so Paul in that moment got a a Holy Spirit insight that there was a man looking at him that had faith. He had faith to be healed. And so then he was able to then move on that and minister to that man. Now, in this example, there was nothing visible. It's not like the man was sitting there going, there was nothing necessarily weird going on. It was just a supernatural insight that Paul had. You know, there's been times in this amazing church community where I've maybe met someone for the third or the fourth time. And as I've shaken their hand, I've got this insight. This person's going to be a great leader. I've also had other supernatural insight. Wow, this person is just full of compassion. They love people. Parents know what I'm talking about with your kids. It's the same thing. There'll be a season where you you just look at your kid and you just have this supernatural insight. Man, there's there's something about this on their life. I can see that that, that destiny. Man, I, I need to encourage them in that. I need to support them in that. There's something of that on their life. Or, ah, Holy Spirit insight, my, my, my kid needs quality time right now. I need to make extra time to just give them quality focus. God will speak to you with that supernatural intuition, that supernatural insight. So again, is that just for a pastor? No, it's for every believer in Jesus. Every believer in Jesus. God wants us to be awakened to knowing that the living God who lives inside of you wants to have an ability to communicate with you. Number five, discernment. And over time, this one grows. This is kind of being in tune with God. And through discernment, you know what's right. You know what's wrong. You know what God wants. You know what God doesn't want. And I think particularly in this day and age, discernment is more critical than ever. Because what isn't godly can be presented and marketed as good. And so we need discernment. Because the Bible warns that in the end times, that even the things that are not godly but are marketed as good, sometimes Christians through foolishness and a lack of discernment will support those things. Being in tune with God. What's right? What's wrong? What's pleasing to God? But also knowing the wisdom of how to deal with these things. In Hebrews 5.14, it says, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And so with discernment, is, it's that constant use, that constant um, connection with the things of God, with the word of God and walking in the things of God and growing in the things of God that helps to lift your ability to discern. You get a, a sensing your senses become 
enlightened to the reality of what God wants and what he doesn't want and you have a sense of discernment. I remember the first year that we planted this church, I was less discerning than I am now. And praise God, I hope that I'm more discerning in the years to come. And we had a wonderful lady, beautiful lady, full of life, full of charisma. And in the first year, when you're just starting a church from a handful of people in your living room, anyone that seems enthusiastic about the church vision, you quickly want to get them involved and get them set up to help out with the team. And so this lady was so full of charisma and so full of, you know, uh, politeness. And she was just always smiling. And she was just, Pastor Brad, I just love everything about what you're doing. And And I was like, that's great. And she said, I have this that I want to do. And I said, that's great. Let's support you. Let's get you involved. Little did I know. (laughs) Little did I know. I wasn't discerning. The Bible says, be slow to promote. Oh my goodness. Bless that soul. That lady caused us so much grief. Bless her in Jesus' name. Bless her, bless her, bless her. Discernment is important. Sometimes someone who's the most smiley, enthusiastic person actually doesn't have the right motive. Have you ever pondered that before? And sometimes a person who's a little bit more introverted and takes a little bit more effort to get them excited, they can be the most loyal, real, authentic person. (laughs) Sam's got his hand up. Amen. (laughs) Can I say to the young ladies in the house, just because someone's oozing, a man's oozing with charisma, right? I mean, Sarah, because I'm kind of a little bit charismatic, right? And Sarah, when we were first dating, she's like, yeah, you know what? You talk it up a little bit, but let's see the evidence. Like, oh. She goes, let me make it really clear to you. I'm more interested in your follow through than your words. You're not going to wow me with your words, Brad. You're going to wow me with your character. So bring it. I'm like, whoa. This woman's amazing. (laughs) So, woman of God, be discerning. Man of God, be discerning. Number six, obedience over time. This is the least exciting one, but probably one of the most important ones. I'm going to ask uh, Jason to come. Obedience over time. You know, I think sometimes when we come into these understandings of hearing the voice of God, uh, we can sometimes second guess ourselves. Because it's like, well, am I really hearing that still small voice? Or, you know, blah, 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 blah. Is that really God? I think the key is always this. Whether it's dreams and visions, where it's, if it's discernment, where if it's that still small voice, supernatural insight. The greatest and the best qualified attest if it's God is the Word of God. Does it line up with Scripture? That's your insurance policy. And if it lines up with Scripture, don't overanalyze.
Because if it lines up with scripture, it'll all work out in the wash eventually. What I've had to learn is maybe the five times that I think I'm hearing from God, four of them I am and one of them I'm probably not. But I step out by faith anyway and I give it my best shot. It'll all work out in the wash anyway. And then the opposite to that though is we become paralyzed by our analysis. Oh, is it God? Is that God? I don't know if it's God. And then we just don't do anything. And that means we're being led by fear, not by faith. The wisdom is to use the qualifier of the Word of God, Scripture, as your insurance policy. But it'll all work out in the wash. See, over time, when you believe you're hearing from God and you step out, that's called obedience. And it's not just the dreams, the visions, and all the exciting things. Sometimes it can be in just the simple things. Because I think sometimes the thing that can also paralyze, 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 thank you, or bring paralysis to our thinking. Thank you to our wonderful team helping me to talk today. I appreciate that. No, I do. Is we can sometimes think that our own wisdom. The Bible says that you actually have to be childlike to enter the kingdom of God. So sometimes it can be in the little things. It can be in the moments where God will say, I want you to text this person and encourage them. Just obey. Sometimes it'll be, hey, I want you, I want you to give this amount of money to this person. Because it will really help them right now. And when you hear from God through all these different ways, but using the scripture as the insurance policy, and then you step out and you learn to walk in obedience, when you hear the shepherd's voice and then you respond, and then you hear the shepherd's voice and you respond, it's interesting because as you walk out that obedience, you walk out the ability to respond to the voice of God not just to hear it, then that very obedience strengthens your ability and your confidence in recognizing the shepherd's voice. Because you start to see the fruit that comes from the obedience. And God always encourages to judge things and to test things by its fruit. I think there's an opportunity here as we finish for us to pray and I'm excited to pray for all of our church community today that we would become awakened to the voice of God. I'm going to ask everyone to stand and I want to pray for every one of you today. So if you're here today and you want To say, God, awaken me to that new place to hear your voice. To know that, God, you want me to be a part of this vertical transaction. You want to speak to me, God. I want you to 
do whatever you want to do. Lift your hands, position yourself, whatever it is. I'm just going to pray for those ones. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you're calling us to be awakened in a new way, in a fresh way, to hear your voice. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your still small voice. We thank you, Lord, for supernatural insight. We thank you, Lord, for discernment. We thank you, Lord, for obedience over time. We thank you, Lord, for vision and dreams. We pray, Lord, for an awakening of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us to connect us to heaven. God, you're not a God of restriction. You're a God of abundance. And you want to pour out in these days. You want to pour out upon all people so that your sons and your daughters can prophesy And your older people can see visions. Lord, you're pouring out, you're activating, and you're awakening us. We thank you, Father, that the mighty name of Jesus is in our hearts. And we thank you, Lord, that there's a a level of, of being alive on the inside. And we thank you, Father, Lord, where people have been dormant, when people have felt like they've had doubt, when they've felt even maybe dead on the inside. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would breathe new life into people today. Lord, that you would breathe, Lord, power and an activation. That, God, you're a flowing God. You're a moving God. You're a real God. And, Lord, you want us to be awakened today. Holy Spirit, have your way right now. Have your way, God, as you're awakening. You're awakening expectation. You're awakening faith. You're awakening hope. You're awakening momentum. You're awakening, Lord, that transition into the future. I thank you that we're a people of great future. I thank you for this nation of Australia as a nation of great future. And I thank you, Lord, it's great because of the people in this room. I thank you, Lord, that we are ambassadors of Christ, that we're people who have the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of us. That we're vision carriers. I thank you, God. That life with you is great. So Lord, we thank you. We give you all the praise for what you've done here this morning. I thank you, Lord. You're going to continue as our shepherd to move us forward into new things and greater things. We thank you, Lord, that the days ahead are bright. The days ahead are going to be great. We love you, God. We love you, Jesus. Can I just ask everyone while they're standing just to close your eyes and bow your heads? Maybe you're here today and you've never really been awakened to the reality of God. You've never invited Jesus into your life or your heart. You might be here today in this atmosphere saying, you know what? If this is the God that you talk about, I want to know that God. So if you're here today, I'd like to pray for you. If you'd like to respond, you know, can I say before you as we're all standing, the Bible's very clear that there is a heaven and there is a hell. And that God does want us to have eternal life with Him. 
And so God doesn't just want to awaken us here on earth, but He wants us to be awakened forever. So maybe you're here today and you've been asking questions even on the inside, but thinking, I need something, I need someone to help me. Well, can I tell you, that person is Jesus. So as you're standing here today, while everyone's got their eyes closed and their heads bowed, just lift your hand and I'll pray for you. I know to pray for you. Thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else? Thank you. I see that hand. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Don't let this moment pass you by as I look around. Anyone else that would like prayer this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. For those couple of people that raised their hands, it's going to get everyone to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, and I believe you died on the cross, and you rose again on the third day. I believe that my sins are forgiven yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Jesus, I want to follow you. I declare that you are my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, fill my heart, fill my life, make me brand new. Today, I am a Christian. Amen. Let's give God some praise.